Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Good morning, everyone. We're very glad that you have joined us today. We have a fantastic guest on today who's going to talk about something that we read about in the papers, we know through our neighbors, and we should be concerned about ourselves. and that is heart health. It used to be that heart health was something you thought more about in men, but women also have cardiac issues, and Mark is going to talk today about a program that can prevent and even reverse heart disease and why it's so important for women to pay attention to these things. And I know that I am looking forward to hearing about all of these details that he'll talk with us about. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Mark Menorlesino, I hope I said that correctly, to yes, our program. You. Did I say it right? You did. Thank you. Please call me Dr. Mark. It's easier for everybody. And, I and thank you it- so much, Linda. Oh, you're so very welcome. I really am intrigued by this because I know that years ago, if a woman presented at the emergency room or something else, it was called anxiety. It was called a panic attack. It was called anything else other than maybe there truly were cardiac problems. But it is become we're becoming equal in ways maybe we didn't want to become equal. So I, I'm just curious, what made you focus on heart solutions for women? Well, and it's it's exactly true what you said is we just plain got it wrong. If you and I go out to dinner and we both get chest pain mm-hmm. and go to the emergency room, I'll get admitted for a full workup and you'll probably get sent home with heartburn medicine or anxiety medicine. Mm-hmm. We just don't take heart disease seriously in women. And it shows up different. It has to be assessed different. It has to be treated different. So we've missed a lot of heart disease in women. And it's the number one cause of death in women mm-hmm. over all cancers combined. I did not know that. And a woman is actually more likely to die from a heart attack than a man is. If they are both going to have an event, the, a woman tends to have more of a risk of a sudden death type of heart attack. And, and it just gets missed because it gets dismissed as anxiety or nausea, abdominal pain. Mm-hmm. They just don't present with the classic elephant on the chest like men do. So talk further about that. When you're presenting in the hospital as a woman and you're unsure, you've listened to this wonderful show, you've read your book, and you've figured out that you need to take better charge of your health. I know that years ago, I remember learning about stroke and its symptoms and how to better manage. You may be alone if you're in the ER. So if you are presenting, you've been picked up by ambulance, and you are in the emergency department, what do you need to know? Top of line, top of mind, I guess. We'll get further into the details, but top of mind, what do you need to know? Well, we don't always want to think the worst, but Mm -hmm. when I used to run the emergency room admitting here in Jackson Hole, Mm -hmm. I would tell people, if you think it's your heart and you come in to get checked out, you're never wrong. Mm. If you don't think it's heart, you might be wrong. And half the time when you're wrong, it's, you don't get a second chance. Half the heart attacks that happen in women are sudden death heart attacks. You just don't get a second chance, and it's so, just the way that it presents. Is there a reason that it is more obvious to be sudden death? Is it that 
symptoms were missed the first two or three times that might have been warning? Or is there more a medical set of conditions that's behind female health that makes the difference? Well, you know, in medicine, it's been, a, unfortunately, a pretty chauvinistic role that we've been doing clinical trials on men. It's been men in the studies. It's mm -hmm. been men in the clinical trials. And so a lot of our recommendations are based on what happens to men. We don't think of the hormonal milieu that happens with a woman. And as she mm -hmm. ages, as her hormones change, and as your hormones change, your inflammatory markers change and the stickiness of your platelets and the reactivity of your arteries and the anatomy of a woman is just plain different around the mm -hmm. coronary arteries of the heart. So uh, women are not men, and we have to treat them uniquely. And that's really what the beauty is, is that the, the data is coming out. The studies are now including women. And we're seeing really how uniquely we must uh, support them, evaluate them, diagnose them, and treat them. I'm sitting here stunned because I didn't know about this sudden death thing. And I would like to think of myself as somewhat well-informed. I was in pharmaceutical research trials for 15 years. Um, but we didn't do cardiac because it's hard to recruit. And yes. I was into recruitment, so you do not recruit things that are in the emergency department. I read in your book that you write that inflammation is the root cause of heart disease. I've also been reading that inflammation seems to be the root cause of a lot of chronic problems as well as acute issues. Do you feel the same way? Well, it's it's fire in the heart, fire in the brain, fire in the gut, fire in the joints, fire in the skin. It's, it's all about inflammation and the chemicals. You know, when, when we were cavemen and cavewomen, our inflammation response was good because we got bit by a bug or we had a parasite and it revved up all these hot chemicals to go deal with that problem. Mm -hmm. But in today's world, this chronic inflammation is really what's leading to all of these chronic illnesses diabetes, obesity, arthritis, skin conditions, autoimmune disease, heart disease, and also dementia. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing um, depression uh, have a huge inflammatory component. Alzheimer's have an inflammatory component. So the more you look and dig, the more you find that there's fire behind all of the chronic illnesses. And when I get pneumonia, I want an antibiotic or for myself or my kids. Mm -hmm. Acute care medicine works really, really well when you need it. Mm -hmm. But the chronic illnesses such as heart disease and things that lead to stroke and the autoimmune diseases, our chronic um, care is not very good in this country. We spend the most of the of any country in the world on health care and we're like 36th in outcomes. We can just do better and we've got to do better for the women in our world. And, you know, Linda, the data is actually worse than you think it is. Two of your three friends will have heart disease. The mm -hmm. first warning sign in half of them mm -hmm. is sudden death. You well, don't that's get a this. heck of a well, warning. Yeah, you don't get, well, I'm playing tennis and I have a little chest pain. It's, you have chest pain and that's the last warning you get. So it, it is, it's it's such a serious disease and it's uh, preventable. Put out the fire, reduce the inflammation, and it's not really about cholesterol, which is what we were taught for the last 40 years. Oh, it's much more complicated yeah. than just your cholesterol number. It is, and, and I want to get into the real details of, um, how we can work to reduce inflammation, to prevent, and there's some obvious things that come to mind right away. But let's start with the, the hormones and why we grew up thinking that hormones were our protective factor, when in many ways that's true to a certain extent, but then the opposite. Well, I think we know less about hormones even today than we think we do. 
<laughs> we uh, we thought they were a good idea, and then the Women's Health Initiative, the big trial on hormones, right. they used unfortunately the wrong hormones. Mm-hmm. They used synthetic horse estrogen, estrogen right. uh, rather than bioidentical. So we're not really sure what your bioidentical hormones may do, but we do know that the synthetic hormones do increase cancer risk, heart attack risk, and blood clot stroke risk. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women were taken off hormones, maybe when they should have been left on them. So there's a lot of confusion about hormones. There's different kinds. There's different types. But what I think about is in a woman who's overweight, diabetic, eats fast food every day versus a woman who is lean, is conscious about her nutrition, the hormones have completely different roles. So it's really the environment the hormones are floating around in that makes as much of a difference as the hormones themselves. So that's why we want to eat clean food. We want to try to obtain an ideal body weight. But a lot of the tools we have in medicine don't let women achieve that. It's it's all about these diets. And, you know, Lynn, if you would just stop eating dairy and corn and soy and wheat and go on the intermittent fasting keto paleo diet, everything will be fine. Well, uh, it's just too complicated. No, or if you take XYZ supplements and if you exercise this much and if you do, there are so many things that people want to fast fix. And in most cases, you're looking at a lifestyle change to be able to achieve longer-term outcomes. Am I right? You're so right. And it doesn't have to be that hard. You know, start with something that you can do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it's stop drinking diet soda. Maybe it's eating a healthy breakfast. Maybe it's, you know, getting off of dairy for a month to see if you feel better, getting off of bread. So it's, it's um, really trying to figure out what's the one change you can make that's doable. And you know, food is medicine, but sometimes we make it just so hard for people that they don't get anywhere. So I like to move in little steps. I, I do too. One thing, one thing you can be successful in first and let's make that successful. Then you're actually going to be more energy to make a harder change. So we start well, with the And they're steps. sequential. They're sequential. Uh, you can get a win um, if you've t- taken out diet soda you know, for two weeks or something like that, and then move on to the next thing. I I think one of the things that is tough with social media and everything else is that you're told to make drastic changes. You need to lose 150 pounds um, or worse, and I'll give you the opposite that many physicians say these days. Um, You know, it would help you if you lost weight. Okay, well, neither one is terribly specific, Right. And so it's difficult. I'll give you an example. Um, my physician once said to me, your vitamin D is low. I want you to take vitamin D. So I did. I was never told the dose. I researched it on Dr. Google, and we all know what happens there. And <laughs> my next blood test was, well, your vitamin D is too high. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> great. I, I understand that. But now could I please have what is I, – I know what the ideal dose is. I mean, the ideal number is, but can we talk specifics? And I think many doctors are so rushed when they, you know, take you on your annual physical, et cetera, that we all try to follow, but we're not given the specifics. Am I sounding like you've heard this before? You are. Yeah. And you're so, I hear this so much every day. The average doctor spends seven minutes with a patient. They interrupt the patient within 11 seconds of the patient talking and Mm -hmm. we tell them myths like, well, if all you would do is eat less and exercise more, everything will magically be better, and I'll see you next year and have a nice day. We don't give them any real-world advice like you mentioned with the D. We need to 
doctors need to learn about nutrition and then they need to be able to take the time to share the knowledge with their patients. Well, perfect. We have to go on a short break and we will be back. I have many, many questions. So I'm really looking forward to going into all of this and happy to share my own experiences because I think it paints a picture for everybody to realize they're not alone in the questions that we need to ask both of our medical practitioners and of ourselves in terms of taking good care of ourselves. We will take a short break and come back with Dr. Mark talking further about a heart solution for women. This is information you need to go, need to know. Don't go away. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's merging The new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, has eclipsed the annual gross domestic product of 10 countries. Officially the highest grossing movie of all time. Did you know that Ewoks speak a combination of Tibetan and Nepalese? Harrison Ford, the rocket jock, complained that when flying the Millennium Falcon, the cockpit switches wouldn't stay in place when he flipped them. So the set designers for The Force Awakens made sure there were new cockpit switches for Han Solo's iconic ship. I thought it was interesting that the lightsaber noise was created from the familiar hum of an old television. Do you think you can tell a lot about somebody based on what color lightsaber they have? Why did the angry Jedi cross the road? To get to the dark side? Maybe? It's Marching Day Report. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Mark about heart health in women and why it's so very vitally important to know what you need to know. So, Mark, on the break, we were talking about the fact that nutrition and even wellness in general are not really given a lot of time in medical school or residency. Talk about your own experience, if you would. Well, you know, I got excellent nutrition training. It was at least 20 minutes, and they disguised it as scurvy and rickets. My son-in-law um, so, said he got zero. So, oh, dear. I, I, I was talking with Joel Kahn, a cardiologist who's a, one of the vegan uh, proponents, mm-hmm. and he was telling me how on the, the cardiology fellowship boards in the in the review course, there was zero talk about nutrition because there's not a single question on the cardiology boards about nutrition. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, it's just it's just the system doesn't really recognize it. What I'm seeing through the Institute for Functional Medicine is more inroads into medical schools, more students requesting nutrition training, and more uh, people like yourself really sharing this information. And it's going to come from the consumer. There's so many empowered women out there that are learning about themselves, about their children, about their partners, how to help uh, help them to eat well, to learn about nutrition, that there's a real, this chronic illness problem will get solved in America, probably not by the doctors, but by the population. They just will not allow their kids to be sick. They they think one in two to one in three kids born today will be diabetic. I'm not surprised. I, I told scary. you I worked in clinical medicine for a long time. Yes. And one of the things that I think is so important is that we can communicate 
with our practitioners. Because if you don't ask any questions at all, or if you don't come prepared to a physical with some information and questions, asking questions will get you better health outcomes. And if your physician doesn't like being asked questions, that may not be the best fit for you. And and I say that really strongly because if you can ask the questions, it is important. So coming back to knowing what we need to know, women need to know about hormones and their effects too, because we are primarily a show for women over 40. So people are, women are going into menopause sooner. Yes. They are showing better, higher weight gains, um, hot flushes, all kinds of uncomfortable things. But that lingering study um, causes some problems and other things cause other problems. But isn't it true that keeping your weight more or less even over the years, and if it does go up, work at it slowly to bring it down, movement built into your day Yes. And to be aware of your, your, your own body, because we grew up with the book, Our Body Ourselves, and yet <laughs> the lovely years of menopause, you're not asking the right questions. Although that's part of what we do on this program is to say, oh, I didn't connect my poor sleep and the fact that, you know, I, I wake up with hot flashes. I didn't connect that with hormonal changes. Women are much more savvy these days, but it isn't okay even if overweight is being normalized because Correct. it does have problems with you. I mean, you go to websites now for clothing and plus sizes there, and I'm all for accepting the body you're in. Don't get me wrong. Don't send me hate email because that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is I think we all know that being leaner and not carrying weight around the middle, you talk about three body types, not two. So talk about the body types right now because I, I think that's important for people to know. Well, and you bring up such great points, and and you know the body image and the body shaming is so big in our our social media and our media mm-hmm. area, but I think it's really you know finding comfort in who you are. Mm-hmm. As a doctor, none of us like body fat on the outside that we look overweight. But as a doctor who cares about you, it's the internal body fat mm-hmm. that scares me the most. Right. It's that visceral body fat, that internal hot inflammatory fat that wraps around the organs leading to an epidemic of what we call fatty liver. Mm -hmm. There'll be more liver transplants in the next decade for this fatty liver than there will be for hepatitis. So it's, it's really, that's why the overweight is a problem. And women tend to have three body types. One's the apple where most of the body fats around the central area. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that we worry about the most because that tends to be more of the hot, visceral, inflammatory fat. Mm -hmm. The apple type, I'm sorry, the pear type body shape, which is more as you approach menopause with the Mm -hmm. hormone changes. Now, any extra body fat, think of body fat as a as a bad estrogen factory. It just makes its own chemicals, its own inflammatory chemicals. Mm -hmm. The people who I find interesting are the skinny fat. These are people who look lean on the outside and their body weight is low and their body mass or BMI, Mm -hmm. their height weight looks good. So they're getting good insurance premiums. Mm -hmm. But when we put them on our analysis, we have a machine that tells you how much body fat you have, but how much internal body fat or Mm. that visceral hot fat. And many women are shocked to find that actually they are carrying a lot of fat on the inside. And those are the ones that just have no idea. Um, 
and it makes the the way you use hormones, especially if you're taking them, they get processed a different way. Uh, now, I, I read an article last week. You tell me if this was accurate or not, because of course, not everything. Did you know that not everything on the internet is truth? I know, really? shocking. I know, oh my gosh. completely shocking. But he was talking about sleeping in colder rooms, that it would promote better sleep, but that it also helps promote the better fat. Now, get, I may have this wrong because I read it quickly. Gray body fat. And white body fat. One, and these are both internal. If I understood this properly, have you seen this? Well, it's funny you say that because one of my friends did his master's thesis on grizzly bears. So he would crawl into their dens here in the Tetons I in the middle that. of winter and do a body fat. He would do a fat biopsy of these sleeping grizzly bears. Uh, so, you know, is what <laughs> Sorry, a grizzly bear does. Sorry, that's a visual. Right. Yeah, it's not a great visual. He would sneak in their den in the middle of winter and jab them with this needle and get some body fat. I know. I think there's a lot of uh, um, confusion out there about what you hear and what you read. And here's how I look at it, Linda. I think it's great to be informed, but just know that all that information is one person's opinion that's related to the masses. And what you really need is is to find a way to be a guide to figure out what applies to you. And that's maybe the hardest thing, particularly for women, because there's so much information and misinformation out there. So there are different types of body fat. Everybody seems to metabolize differently. Mm -hmm. And going back to what you said about the success, there's a real synergy. A lot of times when you make one move, then you make a second one. It's not additive one plus one. It's synergistic. One mm -hmm. plus one equals three or four. Oh, I usually so, say one plus one equals 11. <laughs> well, if you're with the right doctor like us, it does. <laughs> but that, you're, you're free to use that. That, but that's the key is, is to figure out that synergy. You know, what's the least amount of effort someone needs to do to get the most benefit? Because once we get that for them, then we've got them. Then we've got them excited. So many women have been told not much help. They've not been given good information. Mm -hmm. A doctor's not worked with them to be successful. And they've kind of given up. So many women have digestive issues, energy issues. Mm -hmm. Menopause is a nightmare for so many women. And it just doesn't have to be that way. And so it's it's really what's the what's the the few things we can do that give us the most benefit. And mm -hmm. I think the key is, you know, I was taught medical school to motivate you by fear and guilt. You know, if you don't oh stop smoking, goodness. it's all cancer. If you don't stop that cheeseburger, it's a heart attack. My oh, no, no, theory no, no. is carrots me, versus yeah, okay. Let Go me ahead. provide information mm -hmm. to empower you with knowledge right. to help you to make good self care decisions based on your belief system. Mm -hmm. That's a paradigm shift in how you want to reach, Huge. how you want to work with a doctor. You know, it's it's very interesting that you bring these things up because I, I do think that there's body shaming. I do believe that we should be comfortable in the bodies we're given. And yet I think we all do know deep in our hearts back, way back when we learned that everything in moderation, that no, you didn't need to avoid certain things unless you were allergic to them and had bad responses to them. But we've gotten beyond that. So if you gain five pounds, okay, big deal. But as that starts to creep, as you get older or you become more sedentary because of it, it's the cause and effect thing that you're not quite sure which came first. But you're right. When you can make the small wins and celebrate those wins, move on to the next one, it's important. And I also think you mentioned something fascinating with the skinny fat because these are the women that grow up not exercising 
who look fantastic. And so it gives lie to those of us who make sure we go out and take a walk in the middle of the day and, and you know, just keep moving. And when you are met with that, do you find that women are receptive to hearing that, even though they feel like they're healthy enough? Well, you know, it's again, it's it's not scaring them out of motivating by fear and guilt. It's providing information. So we have like bioanalysis. We have a machine that tells you where your body fat is, where all of your muscle mass is. And so, you know, we have foods that are, um, I'm sorry, tests that tell you what foods you're sensitive to and what you should and shouldn't be eating rather than go on a diet. So again, it's, it's using the right tools to get the right information. And then it's getting to know someone about, you know, what's most important. A lot of my patients, they don't really want to live to 110, but they want to ski with their grandkids at 85. That's what's uh-huh. important to them. So, you know, it's, it's really what's unique about the person in front of you as a doctor. What do they care about? What tools do I have to help them reach their goals? And then how do I move one step with them and let them be successful so they'll take a giant leap with me? We have only two minutes, but I'm very curious. Weight-bearing exercise is very important for women as they go through menopause. And yes. it, it's, it's very underreported. But do you also support certain things um, as well as diet and movement and nutrition and all of those things? With, with knowledge of why it's important, because I think the easy thing to do is to be put on Fosamax. Uh, we're just going to put you on a drug that will take care of your bone density. Well, okay, but drugs all have side effects. There's a good place for them in medicine. I, I worked in the industry for a long time. Yes. However, um, some of these things are not brought up. In your practice, because I think most functional medicine practitioners do bring these whole life things in, but what if you're not going to one? What if you're going to an old-time internist who does not look at the root cause of something but finds you a med that supposedly will take care of your problem? What are the questions? Again, well, two think, minutes. I'm sorry to start sure. you. We'll finish after the break if we need to. No, that, that's fine. I, I think you know one of the big keys uh, for women is is your social support. Mm-hmm. Is you know get get friends, find them, cherish them, respect them, and cultivate them, and use that network to help you make these decisions. If you have to start a medicine, then it's okay. Don't beat yourself up because you're starting it. But look at all the other things that you can do to help the medicine work better, or hopefully get to the point where you don't even need the medicine. Mm-hmm. And you know, weight bearing exercise. All you need to do is get out and walk. Preferably right. with a friend or or a dog or a pet, mm-hmm. um, not by yourself. Same with eating. Eat with friends. Eat with family. Eat with a pet. Don't be isolated. But the social support really helps to make everybody more successful. And if you walk, you get just as much benefit as if you run with a lot less injury. I love it. And and that's a very important thing. We're going to go on our second break. Don't go away with Dr. Mark's talks because he has so much more to talk to us about. And we'll start with your genes or your potential, not your destiny when we come back from break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's merging 
Have you ever wondered what it's like to live in a lighthouse? Sounds romantic, but could you go without the internet, HBO, cell service, and running water? Sally Snowman, the lighthouse keeper at Boston Light, says it's worth it for the feeling she gets when she sits outside by the railing and takes in the view with her morning coffee. What's the study of lighthouses called? Fairology. Of course, living in a lighthouse comes with a great amount of responsibility when fog or rounce rubble hobble the tumult of thunder comes along. Wickies is a nickname given to early lighthouse keepers who spent a great deal of time trimming the wick on the lamp in order to keep it burning brightly. Manning a lighthouse is not for dartle dum doos. That's a word coined in 1893, meaning folks without energy. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. U.S. state would you guess has the fastest talkers? Recent research by analytics company MarchX revealed that the nation's fastest talkers come from Oregon, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Kansas, and Iowa. What about New York, you ask? New York ranked near the bottom at 38. But New Yorkers do use more words. A New Yorker will use 62% more words than someone from Iowa who have the same basic conversation. What's another word for fast-talking? Tachylaya. America's slow-spoken or tardiloquent talkers were from North Carolina, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Mississippi. What's a word for someone who likes to say the same thing over and over? A batologist. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. Let's talk with Dr. Mark about this quote. Your genes are your potential, not your destiny. I, I love that. Talk further about that. Well, you know, so many people come in and say, oh, my mom had a heart attack. My dad had a heart attack at 45. It's probably what's going to happen to me. And, you know, you're not doomed to be your parents. There's this new concept called epigenetics that based on your decisions of how you take care of yourself, you can turn on good genes and turn off bad genes. And that's so exciting to share with people because mm -hmm. they're now empowered to help reduce this risk that they're born with. And you're not your genes. You're not your destiny. You have the power on your fork to decide whether you're going to turn them on or turn them off. I love that. And and I really think that, uh, you know, genetics is so complicated and we, we, we barely know, we're barely scratching the surface of it. But we absolutely do know that you can turn on good ones and good ones and turn off bad ones. That's why the power of lifestyle medicine with the work of Dean Ornish 30 years ago, mm -hmm. we know that lifestyle medicine beat a bypass surgery. We've seen lifestyle medicine beat out diabetes drugs in studies. So we know that there's a lot of energy there. And what it looks like it's doing is turning on the good genes and turning off the bad genes. Well, let's talk about the fact that, and this is a personal thought of mine, I truly believe there is a very strong mind-body connection. I'll give you an example. I decided two years ago that I would no longer surround myself with anyone who dragged me down. Right. I would only be around people that inflated me, not deflated me. Now, in another part of my life, I work with disabled veterans and their 
caregivers and there's some sad people sometimes they're they're really pressed for time their lives have changed irrevocably but it's been a very positive experience because you can reframe things into a positive perspective so that you no longer feel like a victim and you have again as you mentioned empowered so i i think that the mind body connection thing is very important because if you start to feel unvalued, unappreciated, depressed, anxious, the way you look at the world is going to change the way you also act and your habits. Bruce? Well, you know, uh, it's interesting. One of my favorite stories is about stress. I think mm-hmm. stress is good. It gets me to go into med school and become a doctor, but it's what you do to internalize stress. And, right. and a couple of years ago, we had this huge snowstorm. The first woman walks in and says, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful with all the snow and the trees. I just love it when it's like this. The very next woman walks in and says, oh, my gosh, I'm going to slip and fall and break my neck. Right. So the same external stressor had two dramatically different internalizations. So that's why, again, you you set your mindset. You set your belief system. You surround yourself with people with that positive messaging. I love that you're doing that. And that's what helps keep that positivity and that energy. And I do think it's what stress does to us and what we allow it to do Mm. that can damage us, not the stress itself. Well, and I I tend to think that oftentimes it's not the initial stress that bothers us. It could be the secondary fallout from it or someone else judging you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw social media into this because I think that there is so much judging going on and compare and despair and those kinds of things. And in real life, you don't just see the highlight reel. You also see the struggles. And everyone is always fighting something in their world. I, I've yet to meet the person with the, quote, perfect life. Um, they may look it on their highlight reel on their Facebook page. But I think if we know them beyond the surface, everybody's got complications in their lives. And it's learning how to manage those complications. Talk about in your mind, I already mentioned, I'll only surround myself with people that are positive. I do the same with what I read and listen to. Do you have other tips for how people can really arm themselves to be as positive as possible and sustain themselves in a way that works, even if there's a toxic bully in your family? (laughs) Those are such difficult uh, situations that so many of our young people, particularly the young women, are faced with, and mm-hmm. it goes all the way through the age. You know, we were talking about menopause. Why does one one woman sail through menopause, and for another, it's a living nightmare? Right. It's because of the adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. The adrenals are your fight or flight glands that control adrenaline and cortisol. And with, as you mentioned, the social media, all the news, just there's so much so going on, all the attacking going on in social media, and and so mm-hmm. much around us that the adrenals are just firing all the time. Mm -hmm. And they weren't designed to do that. And when they fire all the time, if you throw another life stress, like a death in the family, a relationship issue, a move, a -hmm. job change, Mm -hmm. the adrenals can't take that amount of challenge. And you start doing what they call the cortisol steal. And for women in their 40s, early 50s, 60s, you'll you'll rob all of your female hormones to feed the adrenaline cycle because your body's still a cavewoman. She's running from the saber-toothed tiger every day. And she'll sacrifice her female hormones at the sake of adrenaline. And so this cortisol steal is a real thing. And that's why we need to have something in our life 
like taking a, a walk, talking with a friend, having a mindfulness moment, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's prayer or, or mindfulness or meditation or imagery mm-hmm. or yoga, and better to do it with a friend or with your dog than do it by yourself. It's it's really building all of these resilience to help us deal with the stress. But at the end of the day, it's really about the adrenals being under attack. Well, you bring up a huge point because cortisol has its own symptomatology with it follows along and stress is not all bad as you said it can make you perform at your best but if you're looking at your best physical fitness your best mental fitness your best emotional and spiritual fitness you really do need to take a look at where you're putting the strain so if you're sensing those symptoms of stress so in my case it would be that my shoulders start to reach up to my ears. Um, (laughs) I'm hunching over. Um, I may get a pit in my stomach or I'm tense in a way that I wasn't before whatever XYZ happened. We can turn to mindfulness. You can turn to distraction, but some people are better at that than others. What do you tell them? Well, I think it's all learned response. Like you can be better at yoga after you go do it. 50 Mm. times. So, you know, I teach a lot of my patients. I used to do every one and I'm now going to get back to it based on talking to you is (laughs) I just have them put their hand on their belly and have them do three big belly breaths. And the first thing they do is their shoulders would go up and down I'd say, no, push your belly out Mm -hmm. and let's talk through a five second in five second out, just three breaths. They would do it. I said, guess what? You just meditated. It's that easy. And the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more benefit you get. So it's it's find what in your belief system, what in what do you enjoy to do it? Again, do it with someone else, do it with a pet, find some some other loving energy. There's a thing out there called Heart Math mm-hmm. from the Heart Math Institute out of California that talks about coherence and helping the heart rhythms get stable and connecting. That's mm-hmm. that energy you feel when you're with someone that you enjoy being with. Mm-hmm. Also the same energy when you're with someone that's negative. So you can share that energy, and I think it kind of goes back to uh, – this is a little bit of a tangent, if I may, Elena, but it Please. goes back to like the Mediterranean diet. Mm-hmm. You know, is the Mediterranean diet really the best nutrition? Well, it's different in Greece and, and in Italy and all the different countries, but the commonality is that you sit at a big table with people you love people. and share yep. stories and share energy and share love with food, mm-hmm. and maybe that's even more powerful than the quality of the food you're eating. So I, it's really that connection. I agree with you. And I think also that the the wiser I get, because I don't feel like I'm getting older, I'm getting wiser, I is that, that <laughs> well, it's, it's true. A, a good friend once said to me, don't rush making the food and don't rush eating the food, because how else are you going to put the love in it? And that has stayed with me. And I really do find that Um, making a meal with someone, or even if you are making a meal alone, if you think of it as a moving meditation, and then when you do sit down and eat, what a pleasure. Well, I I grew up in a big Italian family. We sat around a big round dinner table. My mom would ring the bell. We'd all come running from all corners of the neighborhood. And that was my favorite time of day was to sit Mm -hmm. at the table with family and share the, the stories of excitement, of fear, of love. And it was a safe place to be to eat your food. And the food was secondary. It was the the family bonding that was primary. And um, there's now four doctors in my family because of that. 
I love it. Um, I am by nature a slow eater. Mm-hmm. And while it has driven my children crazy and friends a little nutty sometimes, when they do eat with me, they find that there's more conversation because mm-hmm. I have to eat, so you need to talk. Um, <laughs> and it, it's pretty funny. But by eating slower, you also eat less. And it's yes. very interesting because you're, you feel that moment of satiation that you might not if you have hoovered your food. Yes. Well, also the idea of chew every bite 20 times. You get the digestive juices in the mouth, starting the digestive ability, slowing down on the intake and the speed, allows the digestive enzymes to kick in in the lower gut. And you do. You get more assimilation. You get more nutrient extraction and a, a better sense of uh, satiety and, sens- and mm-hmm. a good sensation from the meal than if you do just eat it fast. And, uh, <laughs> so, Michael, go ahead. Keep going. Michael Pollan is one of my favorite authors. He talks about some of the food rules. And one I have to abide by is always eat at a table mm-hmm. with someone else and your desk is not a table. Uh, you know, so there's these simple mm-hmm. rules that we know about food and, and, you know, the chewing 20 times, eat with people you care about, um, you know, eat plant, eat good food, mostly plants. You know, there's there's some rules that just make sense, but there's not any way that everybody should eat. And that's one of the beauties of this is figure out how you should and what you like and what makes mm-hmm. you feel the best and enjoy cooking it. Make it with other people. Share it with other people. Food is a passion. Food is a joy. Then it becomes food is medicine. I agree with you, and I, I think it's so interesting. And we can train habits for our children and grandchildren because my daughter once called me and said, Mom, do you know how healthy we eat? And I said, yes, is that a problem? She said, well, my colleagues when we're on business trips are mad at me because I won't eat airport food. And I, <laughs> and I just started laughing. I said, well, if that's the worst thing they ever say about you, just know that they wish they could make the choices that you're making. So I, I, I laugh that you can pass this down. It isn't punitive. You don't feel deprived. But it's it's a habit, and it takes time, and you sometimes have to retrain your taste buds and your cravings for sugar by removing it or reducing it. And so – Wonderful things. We're going on our last break of the show, and then I want to talk about the little-known external clues that we can look at that indicate heart disease and how we can keep ourselves as healthy as possible. We'll be back with Dr. Mark after these short breaks. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward 
with Josephine Jirasi. Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. There is so much to say about losing weight, but there's even more to say about maintaining that weight loss. Many people tell me they have lost the same 15 pounds over and over again. The goal is to not only lose the excess weight, but it's also keeping it off. The National Weight Control Registry found four types of behavior common with their successful participants. One, eating a low-fat, high-carb diet. Two, eating breakfast almost every day. Three, frequent self-monitoring of weight. And four, participation in a high level of physical activity. By embracing these four actions in your life, you too can be successful at maintaining your weight loss. Living a healthy life full of daily exercise will help you keep the excess weight off. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back. On the break, we were talking about how these habits can be small but cumulative and can really make a difference generationally. It's never too late to start. And you were talking to me about um, what you're teaching your teenage daughter's friends. Can you share that? Well, yeah, I was fortunate to do a health presentation at the middle school for the uh, uh, seventh and eighth graders. And I started with a glass of water and asked them how much sugar was in there. They all laughed. And then I took all the different drinks that the kids were using and with each one kept increasing the tablespoons of sugar that were in each drink until we got to a double Mountain Dew, which had 48 (laughs) grams of sugar. That's two ounces of sugar. And I handed it to the starting quarterback. And I said, have you ever had a double Mountain Dew? He said, yes. I said, well, would you drink this in front of us? And I got so many calls from parents because it started the discussion at dinner about what we're eating and how we're eating. And I think, you know, the future is our kids. And Mm -hmm. we make decisions about food for ourselves, but also for them. And I really think we talked about the the rate of diabetes that's coming up, the tsunami of chronic illness we already have, Mm -hmm. and that's coming our way. It's got to change. And I think, you know, let's teach our kids the food is medicine. Let's get them out exercising. Let's teach them about love and support. And they will teach it right back to us. So I, I think our kids are our future. I agree with you entirely. I don't want to get away from what I mentioned we talked about before the break, which was the little-known external clues that can indicate heart disease. And then I have a, a secondary on that one, which is about dental health and cardiac health. Well, you know, I'm fortunate because of uh, – what my family has done. My my oldest sister went to China and did Chinese medicine for a year, then went into psychiatry. Mm. My older brother did 10 years of cow practice, then went into internal medicine. And so I was open to that when I saw Dean Ornish do the reversing heart disease. And mm-hmm. so I've tried to gather all the things they forgot to teach doctors. So right. I pride myself on my physical exam skills. Michael Stone of the Institute for Functional Medicine teaches this to doctors, but I take it one more step further. And uh, so I'll do the traditional physical exam, but then I'll say, can you open your mouth so I can do a tongue analysis? Mm. And they look at me funny. And then we look at their eyes. Then we look at the this, the ruddiness of their cheeks. We look at the back of their arms. So you can tell, and now everyone listening is going to go to the grocery store and do I want to know about the back of the arms. What am I supposed to look for? <laughs> so a lot of times you'll see little bumps. They call it chicken skin on the back of the arms. Right? That's usually a fatty acid malabsorption. So there's something going on with the gut when mm. you see the arms. And my dermatology friends don't like it when I talk about how the gut fixes the skin. 
but it always does. And so we have a lot of people that have reversed eczema and dermatitis and even some of these autoimmune skin conditions. Mm-hmm. But you'll see the, the chicken-type skin or the prickly bumps on the back of the arms. Mm-hmm. You'll see the ruddiness in the cheeks. These are all inflammatory signs. One of the most powerful signs of heart disease It's not 100%, but it's pretty darn close. It's an ear crease. It's a 45-degree angle of the earlobe on both ears. And it's called the uh, Cooley sign, known after a pathologist in the early 1900s, but also a Chinese medicine oxidative stress marker from 3,000 years ago. So it's a crease in the ears. Then the fingernails are essentially windows to your nutrition. You can see little white spots throughout the nails, which can be a zinc deficiency, You can see iron deficiency in the nails. The size of the moons in your cuticles or the little half moons in your nails Mm -hmm. have a sign of your nutritional status. Um, We can see in the tongue uh, scalloping or serrations on the side of the tongue, which can be related to thyroid disorders. We can see little red bumps, which are related to food sensitivities. Cracks on the tongue can be B12 deficiency and or gluten sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So there's really a lot of the body will tell you if you know where to look for it, and if you combine Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, naturopathics, mm-hmm. they all in their own disciplines have a way to listen to the body and look at the body that tell you the insights into what's going on with the body. You make a very good point, and I wish all of us could have you as their practitioner. I know I would. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. But are there things that we can look for as women to you know, you mentioned these these um, external features, and are they obvious to a non-trained uh, practitioner? So you know, this ear crease, I'm just I'm just curious about that when I'm waiting for a mirror after the show to go look at my ear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting because uh, I have a lot of doctors that actually come see me as patients, mm-hmm. but when when we start talking about this with our clients it gets them to be more self-reflective right. because it says what's going on. And my favorite, Linda, is thyroid. Mm-hmm. I'll have a woman come in, and just as she walks down the hall, I get this sense that she's got the body shape of, a, of someone with a thyroid problem. It's kind of the apple core body type. Okay. And she'll tell me, oh, yeah, I did. The, I try, try to lose weight every year. Nothing works. The doctor tells me calories in, calories out. I'm cold all the time. My mood's mm-hmm. low. I got put on antidepressants. And I'll check her, and her thyroid will feel full. And a lot of doctors don't know how to check the thyroid the right way. They should stand behind you with their arms on their their hands on their neck. So it's not checked the right way. Your reflexes can tell you how your thyroid's doing, and then your core temperature. I'll hold her hand and say, "My gosh, your hands are so cold. They're always cold." We'll check their core wow. temperature. It's ninety six degrees. It should be ninety eight point six. And they'll say, "Oh, if it's ninety eight, I have a fever." Well, I'll, then I'll ask them, "Did you ever think you have a thyroid problem?" And they'll say, I know I do. I read about it on the Internet. I think that's my whole problem, but my numbers don't fall too far out of line. So that's, you know, we're doing a paint by numbers in medicine. You have to be out of the range before we'll support you. Our goal is let's find out where in that Grand Canyon your view is the best, not just hope you're somewhere on the south or north rim. Let's figure out where your spot is. That's what personalized precision medicine is about. And the thyroid ladies, for the ladies listening, that's the thing that's probably missed the most. There are millions of women out there with thyroid problems that are being treated with antidepressants or other medications or just not supported because the ranges were changed and the doctors didn't read the journal. 
So there's. Well, I'll give you another point. I believe also that when they've been trained, I mean, let's face it, most doctors are trained a certain way, and if they've been trained a certain way, that's the way they will practice. One of the things about you know being more aware of hormones and thyroid levels, etc., is that sometimes they need to optimize your levels to allow you to be back to where you were. And that's personalized and based on blood work and working closely with the practitioner. Well, you know, I, I got certified in female hormones 25 years ago mm-hmm. from the International Hormone Society, and, and I used a lot. And now I'm using less because mm-hmm. we're finding ways to support the hormones right. upstream mm-hmm. so that your body makes them and detoxifies the bad ones so you don't actually need to take as much. And that's exactly. really the sign of a good doctor. So if you're seeing with someone doing hormones and you're taking a lot, you might want to re- rethink about what's the best approach. So, uh, you're, And you're absolutely right, Linda. Women just feel better when their hormones are at a certain level. They just mm-hmm. do. And as long as they're managed right, it can be safe. Right. And the outcomes for how women feel is is an amazing difference. Plus, I think it actually is protective, in my personal opinion, protective of dementia, protective of heart disease, um, protective of some of these cancers. Bioidenticals may actually be a protective effect, not a causal effect. It's a very exciting area. I think it's come a long way, though, because I remember years ago we'd get back blood tests and they would say, well, it's good for your age. (laughs) And that to me, at one point I pushed back and that's when I got some more practical, personalized medical care that did truly optimize quality of life. Because I think that helps in every aspect in how you look at things, how you help others, how you are positive, um, how you live your life. Because there's a, a quote from John Maxwell. I'm a Maxwell leadership coach. And it, it says too many people accept their lives. They don't live them. And if you don't feel well, you're going to just accept your life. It's like I heard someone say to a friend the other day, well, you know, you fall apart at 80. And I said, (laughs) well, why would you say that? Because that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think you're going to fall apart, you probably will. But how we talk to each other, doesn't that make a difference too? Well, there's a mindset that we have. You know, I was taught in medical school to help you get to age 50, and then it's a slow decline to the nursing home. And we abandoned that about 20 years ago. We call it the square curve theory. Let's get to your – let's work together to get to your best today, and let's keep you there every day to your last day. Mm -hmm. The other idea is that we're we're so acceptable of being normal. So many women come in and they'll say, well, I have all these problems. My doctor says my labs are normal. And I'll ask them, well, what's normal in America? Normal in America is diabetic and obese. That's the new normal. Is that mm-hmm. really what you want to be? Or can we shoot for something better together? And I then the partnership the starts. You're right. And I want to make sure people know where to find out more information. It is, we're talking to Dr. Mark Menolatino, Sino, and his website is much easier. It's Meno, M-E-N-O, clinic.com. And and everything you've talked about today makes complete sense. And yet, I think we've also evolved. We've we're, we're comfortable these days talking about self care. Years ago, that was an eye roll. Now we know about self care. Social support has become so much more prevalent to be discussed. And I'm not talking only online and social media. Blah. Pets are super important. 
and doing being outdoors, being grounded in the outdoors, and certainly asking the right questions when you go for your uh, well wellness exam. But by all means, don't you think we should also be keeping track of how we feel so that we come in well-informed consumers? Well, my, one of my favorite things to tell women is that you are your own doctor. I'm just here to show you the way and to give you some information to help empower you. Mm-hmm. But you're really your own caregiver. And if we help share with you the skills that are unique to you and help you to get there, once you're there, it's a lot easier to stay there. But it's just difficult for a lot of people to find it on their own. It is. And as you know, you go to Dr. Google and you'll end up with 6,493,521 reasons. And that will really not help you and usually is overwhelming. So I would suggest to all of our listeners that we look into his book, Heart Solution for Women, a proven program to prevent and reverse heart disease. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Please give out your website again. And you've got 45 seconds to say anything you'd like to say. Well, Lynn, thank you so very kindly for the for the discussion today. I really enjoyed it. And uh, the website is menoclinic.com, M-E-N-O-C-L-I-N-I-C.com. There's a link there with some free gifts for you about the Heart Solution for Women to help you make some of these personal choices. And the book is a guide to help personalize your care, and you can use it for discussions with your doctor, share it with your, your mothers, your sisters, your daughters. We really need to change and protect the heart for women. Amen. And I'm making a little heart sign with my two hands. You can't see it, but I'm making it. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark, for giving your wisdom today. And I will post the link to your book in our show notes. It was a pleasure having you here today. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. 